Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. shred of factual historical information to substantiate what you're asserting that this is an addition to the text. Personally, I don't know of manuscripts, but I read scholars okay. who are specialists in that field, and they have looked at those manuscripts or uh, seen the lack of them there. Could you and give me they one have name? Written. Oh, no, I can't give you that now. Okay. So, uh, are all the popes actually uh, believers? Are all the popes? I don't know. Some could, some couldn't be. I don't know. So it's possible for the vicar of Christ to be an unbeliever? Possible, yeah. So that's an interesting view. Time out. This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. After that, God had said, The day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. And instead of dying... Thanatos that day he lived another day and was clothed in his nakedness by pure grace and had the consequences of a curse applied for quite some time but the worst curse would come upon the one who seduced him whose head would be crushed by the seed of the woman and the punishment was too severe what's wrong with you people I'm serious I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. He doesn't have faith. He has confidence. Confidence. Confide. From the Latin, with faith. Live to answer your questions, your host from Striving for Eternity Ministries, Andrew Rappaport. All right, welcome to another Apologetics Live. We're glad to have you with us. We're going to have probably an entertaining discussion tonight. Topic, at least, that we're going to start off with until those of you who want to join in, join, uh, is going to be on Molinism. Uh, does Molinism lead to determinism? So if you have any friends that believe in Molinism, it would be good to send them out this link right now and tell them to join to defend their views if they can. But we are going to be joined, at least for now, uh, we're going to be joined by Eli Alila. 
Alila, Alaya, Alaya, Alaya. Yeah, I don't know. He's going to correct it. He'll he'll have some, you know, way of pronouncing it. It just sounds like someone's like, see, I could say this because I can see him in the back room and he's like laughing as I'm butchering his name. It's, it's, it sounds more like, you know, Eli's last name sounds more like the, the guys who are chanting, la, 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 la. you know, I think that's what his last name actually is. It was, you know, they were like, what's your last name? La, 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 la. So that's, um, I think that's how he got his last name, but we'll find out. <laughs> I can see I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some grief in a few minutes, <laughs> but I am your host Andrew Rappaport from Striving for Eternity Ministries, um, and we're glad to have you. We are at Apologetics Live. We do this every Thursday night, eight to ten Eastern time. I see that in the house we got prescribed truth, the one and only, the Doctor. Well, okay, he he's the he's prescribing truth, so he must be a doctor. That is Jamal Bandy. So maybe he'll come in and and weigh in on some of these things. If you want to join the hangout or just and get into discussion, the best way to do that is go to apologeticslive.com. It's the one place to go. You get all the information, you'll get the topics, you'll get who's the guest speakers, uh, guest apologists, you will get the times, and you will get the links to both watch and participate. So grab the link to watch share it where you can and this week matt will not be in i do not believe uh for folks who are been keeping up with things and i don't know that he hasn't told me i can't say this publicly but i guess i will um he his wife is not doing well she uh is going looks like she's going in for surgery unexpected unplanned surgery tomorrow he was uh, in nashville had to return early to come home and take care of her. So a friend of theirs had to take her to the hospital. And so be praying for uh, the Slicks, both Matt and Mrs. Slick. And you guys could be doing that. That would be appreciated. Um, So he won't be here. I don't know where Mr. Villa is. Tyler Villa should be coming in. Uh, He's going to, he'll do his drive-by. So he's, he usually is driving home and comes in, um, at this time. So I'm actually going to ask him whether he's, you know, coming in because I don't see him in here. But I'm going to bring Mr. Eli in. Eli, la, 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 la. That's, right. that's how I'm going to introduce hey, you from now on. Matt said that my last name sounds like a Muslim war cry. That's what he, that's what he said. No, it's, it's, it sounds like the cry when they're getting ready to, you know, go for prayer. You know, it's that's right. I did grow up in a Pentecostal church, so maybe that's how my they were speaking was. in tongues. That's oh, right. that's it. <laughs> I understand now. <laughs> so, <laughs> They're bad, man. <laughs> oh, so uh, so Eli, you are with. See, we need to get you get a little lower third there, so you can promote your uh, you know your apologetic show that you do and your and your podcast. So why don't you talk about that real quick? Uh, yeah, I have a podcast called Revealed Apologetics and a YouTube no, channel. No, really, reveal it. What's it What's it called? Revealed Apologetics. That's I know, that's called. what I'm asking you to do, reveal it. What? what? Ah, yes. Well, well I can you tell know, you a little bit about why I, 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 I don't get You know, you and I have really to explain weird, the joke. It really awkward, ruins it. You have really awkward jokes. I don't know <laughs> when you're joking. <laughs> I don't know when you're joking sometimes. I don't know where, what to do with that. <laughs> Um, I, I could explain why it's called Revealed Apologetics, if that if that would help. Sure, why not? Okay, well. Um, so what are you revealing? I'm, I'm revealing so the fact So what is your that show about? 
<laughs> you know what the answer was, man. Uh, uh, whenever you're ready, Andrew. Oh, go ahead. Try not loud. Okay. Uh, it's called Revealed Apologetics because I believe, and I'm sure you agree with this, that apologetics is something that is revealed in Scripture. It is part of the divine revelation that we are to engage in a rational defense of the faith. And um, as a Reformed Christian and a presuppositionalist in my apologetic methodology, I believe that um, the presuppositional method of apologetics is the method that is reflected in the Scriptures. And so I called it Revealed Apologetics, because not only are we engaging in a discipline that the Bible has given to us, but it also reveals to us the manner and method by which we are to do it. And so I called it Revealed Apologetics for that purpose. If folks are interested, um, you can check me out Check me out on iTunes and um, YouTube. Um, and I have um, a bunch of guests that are not necessarily presuppositional. I do try to uh, cover general topics as well. Um, um, but we have some interesting interviews there. I had Dr. James White. I had some classical apologists on, like Eric Hernandez, Braxton Hunter over at Trinity Radio. And um, and the presuppositional conversations and discussions that I do have on the podcast are excellent. So people can check that out um, over at Revealed Apologetics. Okay. And so you mentioned Eric Hernandez. And there's really some of what we're going to discuss tonight comes from a conversation you and I had with Eric uh, some, okay. some time ago on this show. So if folks go back to older Apologetics Live shows, you're going to see the full conversation that Eli and I had with Eric on this topic of Molinas. Now, I, I should mention because Ethan is asking, what happened to all my books? Um, you, you actually, they got raptured. They they got got raptured. raptured. Yes. You, you actually have now more books showing in your office than I have in, in mine. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm planning on moving. And so with that, we are packing everything up. And, uh, so unfortunately the drawback to that is I didn't realize how much 8,000 books absorb the echo until I remove them. And there's nothing but, see, you guys only see the, these empty shelves here. There's empty shelves all around this, this room, and uh, except for right there. There's my, my cult section hasn't been packed yet. And so, uh, but I didn't realize how much echo comes through. But, uh, oh, I see, hey, give a shout-out uh, on YouTube. I see that we have none other than the award-winning podcaster, Chris Honholds, from Voice of Reason Radio. They were the recent winners of the 2019 Best Christian Podcast episode. And so, yeah, they, they had, uh, you didn't even get nominated. Wow, you better, you've got to up your game on your show, man. But, but uh, yeah, they, they won, and folks want, they could go to christianpodcastcommunity.org, and there we have the winners. We go through, there's a podcast that get, announce, announces all the winners, and they're all listed there. And so uh, Chris and his, his co-host, Richard Story, are the recipients of a $75 gift card that's coming their way uh, by courtesy of Christian Podcast Community. So uh, Chris is saying, I expect the delivery of my library any day now. <laughs> Yeah, that that wasn't what you won, Chris. You didn't win all my books. I I, I can't afford to ship <laughs> eight thousand books. <laughs> so so you actually, Eli, if you came over to the, my house right now, you go in the garage, and there is um, was it uh, seventy eighty? I think eighty boxes right now. Eighty five boxes of books in in my garage, just all packed up, waiting for us to sell the house and movers to come and just load them all in. <laughs> I made it easy. I put them all in the garage so that they could just, 
you know, the guy, the guy came in, we had a guy moving companies come in to give estimates. And the one guy comes in and he goes, he's like, okay, I, I, he goes, I had to move a rabbi. He had, he had, um, something like 20,000 books. And, and this, the moving guy said he had two guys all day doing nothing but moving boxes of books. books. Everyone else moved furniture. <laughs> they had two guys doing nothing but books. All day. That's basically what he said he's going to do, do with me. You do not want to help a theologian move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we were uh, we were recording one of these when Matt Slicks had someone over helping to um, pack up his. So the, during the course of one show, we, we actually watched someone box up most of his books. And uh, so, yeah. No, so, I believe it. I, I'll give a a a, um, a mention. There's some folks who are are uh, on Facebook. If you go to Apologetics Live on Facebook, uh, we will be able. There's a link there to to basically give them permission so we can get your name, so that we can put up your your comments and not see that Facebook user. We'd we'd much rather. We'd rather see something like this, where we get, oh, look, it's Chris Hunholds. We get to see his picture. We get to see his name. So that's that's the way to do it. Um, so you know, Chris Hunholds recently, I don't know you if you know, he he uh, he he dresses up as in a um, as Captain America, and he actually got a paid gig to to be Captain America. So yeah, I mean, so it just goes to show you that. Uh, some children never grow up, but there's ways that some people can get paid for it. <laughs> so, there's nothing wrong with not growing up. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, Chris, I, I'm going to have to go back and check something because Chris just said, yes, bond servant. That, that's her, her name's Melissa, but her YouTube page is bond servant. Yes, bond servant. Don't remind Andrew. He'll bring it up again. What am I bringing up? Let's go back. Oh, look. Bond servant for Jesus says, Chris, aren't you the Captain America Cos?" player yes he is he likes to play captain america all right so let's bring in our see now this is now this is more like theology driven see because we got our our driver and he's he's uh gonna talk theology <laughs> how you doing tyler true. We are constantly putting I'm, his life in danger. Uh, good Still sunny out there in California. Tell me, tell me the weather I'm going to have next week when I come out to you. Uh, tell me it's going to well, be beautiful. Right, right now it's a little overcast, but it's like 75 degrees. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so jealous right now. Look at that. You bring Tyler in and you cause me to sin. I'm coveting his weather right now. Well, hey, at least I'm just glad that Tyler doesn't have more books over his shoulder than me. At least I have a, a, a couple right there. So, you know. Tyler doesn't have yeah. any in his car. <laughs> uh, I, I, I actually do. I have a box full of in the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> now, so, so here's the thing, folks. If, if you're watching live, you're going to see that, um, that Tyler is going to move about four or five feet, and then he's going to stop. He'll sit there for 20 minutes, and he'll move another four or five feet. That's called L.A. traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Only rivaled by New York traffic. No, actually, uh, it is that's, worse. That's about, that's about to start happening. I'm on a front end road, so that's, I'm, I'm going to get on the freeway, the freeway here in about a minute and a half, and that's about that's going to be true. And that's where we get to hear the freeway thinker. So why don't we real quick give a plug for your 
your podcast and your, your the ministry you're with? Yeah, so uh, I, I do the Freedthinker podcast. Um, you can find it at freedthinkerpodcast.blogspot.com. Um, I do full-length episodes, scripted episodes. That's where I go through some um, uh, some various topics and some papers that I've written and, and some things out that are fully scripted. I have Freed Bite episodes, which are uh, basically fully scripted but short, you know, 10 to 15-minute episodes. Uh, and then I have my Freed Way episodes, which are basically me just uh, winging it off the cuff, reflecting on something that I had read or someone I've been talking to or something while I'm, I, you know, while I'm driving, I thought I've redeemed my drive time. And so uh, I just I record, I, you know, it's, it's hands free. So, I'm, you know, I'm being safe, but I can record while I drive. So... All right. So tonight's topic that we selected is on Molinism. Now, I, I have to admit, uh, I had I've always struggled with Molinism and modalism. I always get I always get stuck with those two words. And it was really funny because I I, I was at Living Waters doing doing a uh, they they were asking me a question. I they asked me the question was on one of like you know what is modalism, and I ended up going into Molinism. <laughs> I have such a hard time with those two, but. You have trouble spelling it too. In the text, you spelled Molianism. I thought we were discussing something completely different. <laughs> well, actually, I don't know. I, I that was uh, autocorrect. <laughs> but but Tyler Tyler solved me of this because Tyler told me how to remember this term Molianism, and and now see, I'll never forget because hey, hands hands on the wheel there, sir. No, not over your eyes. See. The real oh that's right you're not moving I'm sorry it's L A <laughs> I'm not I'm I'm going five miles an hour uh, but you know because anyone that watches that's friends with Tyler on Facebook they get to see that he has a a problem in his backyard he has I don't know gophers or moles or whatever they are but he's been trying to eradicate them and so really it's just I think of the problems of Tyler trying to get rid of moles in his backyard and Molinism in his theology, you know, so, so we we got that solved now. So, yeah, it's all, it's all settled. <laughs> that's such a dad, such a dad joke. <laughs> yeah. You, you would understand that then Eli, you're uh, uh, well, I, uh, yes, you got those I, young ones. I, I, once you go over 35, your jokes are no longer funny. Uh, I, at least that's my experience. So, <laughs> so, well, you, you could also think of it as there, there's no possible word where mole is bad. So <laughs> that works too. So here's the thing. Let's let me let me give a, a brief overview of Molinism, and then until folks come in, I see John is in. John will let me know in the chat if he's got a, a specific question or if he wants to jump in. Um, but I want to I want to give an overview first of what Molinism is. And then after that, you guys can add where you think I've left things out. And then what I want to do is kind of give some arguments of, I want to give some of my arguments, Eli, some of yours, but Tyler, you've been working on this uh, the most and and have been coming up with some newer stuff. And so I want to uh, give some time for you to jump in. Um, So... Um, so let's let me just start with this as a quick overview. Molinism, you know, his son is started by a you know Roman Catholic. I forget his name is something Molin, 
whatever. But Louis de Molina. <laughs> Molina, that's it. So basically, I, I think what I, I noticed the most is that what a lot of it that gets people into Molinus, Molinism is really, A, it's typically philosophers versus theologians. Guys who get into philosophy versus theology, and, and we, we all know Eric Hernandez, we've, we've, you know, Eli, you and I have had a discussion here with him, but he actually would be very much thinking that philosophy is a higher study than theology. I disagree with him. We've, he and I have had that debate. But guys who are into philosophy, I think, seem to be enamored with Molinism. The other thing that I notice with it is it seems to be now I, I'm trying to say this carefully because Eli, you and I were, were trying to be real careful with this on, on the show we had with, with Eric. They wouldn't say that they're all anti-Calvinists. They wouldn't say that they're uh, all Arminian, um, but it sure seems that way. It, it seems like the, the big thing that they're trying to do is answer the question of God's sovereignty and human free will. And the way that they go about doing this is to argue that there's this counterfactual knowledge that God would have where he knows all of the real things that happen, past, present, future. He also knows all things that could happen. And he knows the outcomes of every choice that we would make. And what they would argue is that God, in his infinite knowledge, had looked at all of the possible worlds with people of their own free choice— they, they have the free choice to make decisions, absolutely free, and God looks at all of those different worlds with every free choice that was made and selected the one that we're in now, and therefore the choices that we make are completely free will, and it's not predestination, because that seems to be the big thing they're against. They seem to be very much against predestination, and they seem to define that really as determinism, right? That God determines everything. And so, now, I want you guys, you guys will give a more technical definition, I'm sure. I want to give the overview, so go for it. Which one of you guys wants to start? Um, well, I just, just a caveat, real quick. I don't think any um, Molinist would deny predestination. Remember, anyone who's an Orthodox Christian will hold to predestination since the term is in the Scriptures. Um, we'd have to hash out what they, how they understand uh, predestination, uh, but just getting back to like a kind of a general um, definition of Molinism. Well, what I, uh, well, let's just be be clear. They 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 disagree with the definition of predestination. They'll, they'll have they think that what Calvinists typically they'll say that what Calvinists believe of predestination is that God forces everything. That determinism. That's they that's have, what they, they would have against. issue with the reformed understanding of predestination, yes. and they would have predestination couched within the context of their uh, theological and philosophical framework. So we all adhere to the to the term, since it's biblical. I think the difference is going to be in how we understand that term. It's like it's like the debates over sovereignty. An Arminian believes God is sovereign, but they don't mean the same thing we mean as Reformed uh, Christians when we say that God is sovereign. So we want to be careful not to, um, you know, a lot of, in, within popular debates, the Calvinists will say to the Arminian or to the Molinist or the guy who holds to some form of libertarian freedom, oh, you guys don't believe that God is, is genuinely sovereign. Well, they do, but uh, they don't understand sovereignty the way we would. And that's not to say that we don't think that their view is insufficient. We think there are issues with how they understand sovereignty and freedom and things like that. But they do hold to those terms. So I wouldn't say that they would reject predestination. They would just have kind of a, a different understanding as to how they would um, think that term 
uh, should be used. But just in regards to the definition, I think what, what is helpful to understand if people get confused as to how to understand what Molinism is, I like how Kenneth Keithley um, said it out. Kenneth Keithley is a professor over at Southeastern Theological Seminary. He wrote the book Salvation and Sovereignty, and he frames the definition of Molinism uh, it, with, like this. He says that God has three moments of his knowledge, uh, three logical moments that can be categorized as his could knowledge, his would knowledge, and his will knowledge. God's could knowledge is his knowledge of all possibilities. That is what we would call God's natural knowledge. God's would knowledge is his knowledge of um, all hypotheticals and counterfactuals. Okay, um, and so we have we have God's free knowledge, his knowledge of everything that will in fact happen after he um, executes his decree. Okay, so his middle knowledge is the knowledge that is located um, between his natural knowledge his knowledge of everything that could happen, and um, his free knowledge, his knowledge of everything that will happen, God's middle knowledge is located in the middle of that. And so Molinists believe that when God chooses a world to actualize, it is out of the options of his um, middle knowledge. Say, for example, if God desires a world in which there are libertarianly free creatures, that limits the options of the possible worlds he can create, since it would limit worlds that would be you know, that would say, like, determinism would be true. So those would be out if God desires to create libertarianly free uh, creatures within a particular world. And then he decrees, and then you have his knowledge of what will, in fact, happen. Would you agree with that um, summary, Tyler? Yeah, it, yeah, I, I think that's right. The only caveats that I would add, well, I would add a couple things, the, the or alter a couple things. The, the first one is somewhat of a... Keithley can Keithley is somewhat confusing for me because that that and and a lot of Molinists have been starting to take that is that um, that use of natural knowledge um, seems to be somewhat of a redefinition mm-hmm. um, because natural knowledge was was typically God knowledge concerning um, uh, concerning himself and and necessities right so. Um, it, it's, it's God's natural knowledge, his knowledge of his nature, so to speak. So um, to, to simply go that the, you know, it, it, it now becomes his knowledge of what could be, of what, you know, just logical possibilities that maybe not restricted to feasible um, things already just seemed, already just seems um, to be somewhat special pleading to me. It's already making a shift away from what it, that term historically meant. But that, that's an issue with, with Keithley. Uh, beyond that, the, the only thing that I would, and you, and you touched on it, you said that it, I would just emphasize more clearly because it's really important you're getting the criticisms and you want to show that you do understand their position and not engage in straw man, um, is that the, the, the middle knowledge specifically factuals, right? It's not that the, the um, that a certain tree does, right? Um, it's it, it's specifically where it gets its teeth um, is is the counterfactuals of what they call creaturely freedom, which they mean libertarian freedom, right? Because you know the reform don't mean the same thing when we say creaturely freedom. We actually mean compatibilistic freedom. Um, so. 
Um, it, it's it's an expression of God's knowledge about what people would would, according to libertarian freedom, would freely choose to do if God places them in some specific circumstance. Right, and and it's located logically prior to the decree. That's what preserves the libertarianly free aspect of it. If it's if it's located after the decree then some form of determinism would follow from that. So they need it to be logically located where it is uh, in that system. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, that, and yeah, I mean, we're not getting to critiques yet, but I'm, I don't think that placing it prior to the decree helps that any. So, Well, and, and this is the thing, and, you know, Tyler, I know you probably have not heard the, the argument that I was making with Eric when he was on the show some time ago, like probably a year or so ago, with uh, Eli and I, but one of the things I had asked him is once, so you given you step into their worldview, right? And they say, okay, God has looked at all these possible worlds he could create. And he figures, okay, this one right here, this one's going to give me the most uh, glory. I'm going to choose that one. And so the question I ended up asking is, can, can people... Once that happens, can, can we do anything other than what we chose to do in this world? Right. And, and he, the reality is he ended up saying, well, you, you could, but you won't. Well, if, if you won't, then you, realistically, once God has chosen a world in their worldview and their view of Molinism, once he's chosen a worldview, then it is determinism. We will we will only do what we chose to do in the world that God selected. If he chose a different one, we would have done something different. And so in reality, I think the thing they try to avoid with their view of Calvinism being all about determinism with the decrees ends up leading them right into the very thing I think they're trying to run away from. Because in their <clears throat> once once God selects a world, we can't do anything but what what God selected for us to do. And therefore it, it is the ultimate in determinism, is my argument. Yeah, I think um the the way I I, I agree with the direction of the argument you're making. The only thing is that I think the way that it's stated um, they have a way to get out of it, right? So they, they because there's an ambiguity in when you say could, right? Um, it's kind of it's kind of like the Bill Clinton. It, it depends on what is is. Um, so it, if it depends on what could could mean, right? So what he what and, and I've been trying to think of uh, Eli and I talked about this. I, I've been trying to think of a good term to distinguish these two concepts. Um, but the, the, the question really comes down to the difference between um, having the faculty to do something and then having, like, the actual ability or the metaphysical, metaphysically real possibility of doing something, right? And they really rely on the first one, having the faculty to do something, right? So um, uh, let, let, let's say that God has, because you know, this is true even on determinism, Let's say that, that God has determined that I'm gonna that I'm gonna grab my steering wheel like with both hands right now. Um, my my I have the capacity, the muscle and skeletal and the physics, like the 
there's the capacity to do that. Well, let's say that God hadn't determined that. Determine that. Does that mean that suddenly during that point of decision, I, I no longer have the capacity to do it? Right. Well, no. Of course. I mean, I, I always have the capacity, right? So my, my will, I always have the capacity, the will to choose to do other than the thing that I do. The question is whether or not I have the ability or the metaphysically real possibility to actualize and to, and to choose to do that. It's not, it's not whether or not I have the capacity or the facility to do it. Um, and there, there's an equivocation that happens on, happens on those. I mean, even in, even in a reform view, we're not going to say, well, you know, you, you, you don't even have the, the facility, like you, your, your arms stop working every time you're not determined to, to do a specific, like your arms are, are, are muscularly uh, determined so that you can only do whatever specific action, but, but they don't have the actual facility to do any other action. Right, that well, would just Tyler, be nonsense. Tyler, wouldn't it be related also to the idea of the bones of Jesus? This is often brought up that um, the, there's a prophecy in which the bones of the Messiah wouldn't be broken. And that, that, that prophecy would um, be fulfilled with 100% certainty. But that doesn't mean that there was something special about Jesus' bones that prevented them from actually being broken. They have the ability, well, not ability, but it is possible that they could be broken in one sense, and it's not possible right. in another sense that they would not be broken. That's absolutely right. So they have they have the facility, they have the they have the attribute of being breakable, you know. Just but but it's been determined. It, it's not a it's not a metaphysically real possibility in the actual world. Um, uh, the, you know the the guards. Um, had had no metaphysically real possibility of actually choosing to break his bones. Right, and, and when I right? spoke with Eric, um, I spoke with Eric. Uh, we spoke together at, at Texas A and M uh, at an apologetics thing. Matt was there as well, and we had a really good conversation after the conference where we were at our hotels and we were talking about this very thing. And Eric brought up, uh, and it kind of became a running joke between uh, he and I. He br he brought up the issue of the, of an acorn. Now, if in a, if you have an acorn, the acorn has the capacity to uh, grow into a tree. Uh, and that capacity is still there even though that acorn is never actually planted. You see how that works? Right. So we don't plant the acorn yep. and it never grows into a tree, but that doesn't mean it lacks the capacity to grow into a tree. And I think that's somewhat related right. to this issue here. Yeah, it's actually um, Eric using that example, that exact analogy, that caused it. That's when I realized, like, Oh, you mean something? You mean a different? You mean something else? By could, mm -hmm. you mean that type of? You mean the the capacity for something? That's not what we're talking about when we're talking right. about determinism. Um, right. You know, no determinist is going to say that that just because God has determined that that acorn will never be the oak, that therefore, like biologically, it ceases to be an acorn with with the right. you know the ge genetic capacity to become an oak, like. Well, that, that, that would just violate the, the law of identity, right? That would just say the acorn isn't actually an acorn. Right. But see, but see um, that is what I think they end up doing with their whole thing of free will. Because once God yeah. selects a world, you essentially lose free will altogether, right? Because it, right. once God selects that world, even though they would say you could choose something different, you just won't. 
but if you yeah. won't, and for them that's not grounded. There's there's no that just it's it's inexplicable why that is because nothing determines that fact on their view, right? So I normally give them you know I try to give them some robust thought experiments. So I say you know let let's just let's just call some some choice some trivial choice X, right? I I I love pralines and cream ice cream. I also really like a good, like, coffee or latte-flavored ice cream with nothing in it, right? I really like those types of two types of ice cream. And let's say I go into, a, you know, a kind of a boutique ice cream shop, really high quality, and they have both of those things, and there's nothing in my nature, there's nothing in my desires, right? Nothing determines that, right? The, the, it's it's just it's it's a trivial you know on libertarian freedom it just becomes a trivial choice because there's no determining factor, right? So my question is let's let's say God has you know there's there's two possible worlds God could create there's world A and there's world B they are identical worlds in every single possible way except at at a certain time in in one of them I pick the pralines and cream in one of them I pick the latte ice cream, right? They're identical worlds up to that point. Nothing has determined them. That's the only difference between those two worlds. God actualizes world A, right? Why is it then, if this is an arbitrary choice, why is it that in world A, I'm going to choose, uh, it's, you know, I, I could choose latte, but I'm going, I, I won't because it's world A, it's not world B. Why am I going to choose pralines and cream? The only causal difference is that God determined it to be world A and not be world B. That's the only difference in the entire causal actualizing chain up to that point where I make that decision. That's it. And uh, I'm going to bring I'm going to bring John in cuz he's got a question, but I do I I uh, you can't read this Tyler, what's what's showing on the screen? But Ethan says Tyler is really trying to talk with his hands while driving. Um, let me explain something to you in California that th you can talk with your hands while driving because you're not actually driving. All right, let me bring John in here. <laughs> you really just parked. <laughs> you really just you're parked for an hour and then you move a, a bit. So let me. I, so we got John in here. <laughs> Think of it like when you're when you're leaving like a concert or a or like a really crowded venue and you're just waiting for your turn to get out of the parking lot. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. That's right now. and that's that's the whole way home. I mean that's that's all of LA in that. <laughs> yep. Oh. All right. So John John's trying to show that he's out in the country there. Uh, <laughs> you're out of the hey. bunker. Yeah, yeah, he got I'm out of his bunker. bunker. Well, uh, to be honest, my Wi-Fi is getting really cruddy right now, so I decided to go ahead and switch over to my my phone. Um, so I did a, a Google, not a Google, sir. I, I I I cracked open the Logos, my uh, Bible software program. Typed in the word Molinism to see what uh, my library would uh, would offer, and it was really interesting because there was a book, I guess, from a guy. Um, and the book is called No One Like Him. And there's a, a chapter that's called Middle Knowledge. And um, I think the last guy, the name is, is Ferret, I think is, is the, the, the writer. So anyways, um, he, he mentions this. It's like, so with Molinism, God really knows the future. 
he knows not only what's what possibly could occur, occur, but also knows what will occur. In addition, he knows what would have occurred freely if he had placed his creatures in situations that obtain in other unactualized worlds. Um, since God's middle knowledge is knowledge of what his creatures will do freely in a libertarian sense, in any circumstance, choosing one of those pop- pop- possible worlds will actually Did we lose him? I think we lost him. I guess his his I guess his cellular wasn't it good either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll see if he comes back. back. Are you there, Tyler? Yeah, I'm here. Are you okay. there? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's John. No, I think Did John's you catch back. All that or no? No, we 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 we, lo- we lost you halfway through. Ah, yeah. Well, a- anyways, uh, to 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 make it simple, I guess there's middle knowledge, and then what the book says here that I was reading is simple knowledge. I think it is, but is that the same thing as like a natural knowledge? Like uh, the, the, are you following me? Yeah, are you referring to No One Like Him by John Feinberg, right? That's uh, yes. It's like a yes. base book with a red band. Yeah, I, I think um, I'd have to see the context of the paragraph, but I think simple knowledge is referring to natural knowledge. You got to be careful because when you're talking about different uh, views of God's knowledge, sometimes people use the simple foreknowledge view, which is a particular okay. view in which God's predestination is based on His foreknowledge. So it depends on the context there. I would imagine he'd have to be referring to natural knowledge um, because the context gotcha. there is um, Molinism. So there is a difference between um, natural knowledge and middle knowledge. As uh, Tyler said before, and I think I alluded to before, that God's middle knowledge is his knowledge of counterfactuals of creaturely freedom, which exists logically prior to the divine decree. That's middle knowledge. And his natural knowledge is uh, God's... Uh, it's kind of just his knowledge of, of himself, all necessities, all things that are necessary, um, and all possibilities. That's why some of the critiques of Molinism is that middle knowledge is an unnecessary uh, category of God's knowledge, since God's knowledge of counterfactuals is subsumed within his natural knowledge. Um, so there is a difference there, although some might argue it's not really useful to make another category um, called middle knowledge. No, I, I agree. Um uh, in fact, I don't even agree with Molinism, period, at all. Um, I think it's silly for them to, to assume that there's more than other possible timelines or, or other possible worlds uh, in, in the knowledge of God's uh, omnis- John, you know, omniscience. Uh, I, I just don't get it. John, they need free will. Yeah. <laughs> well, well to, be fa- to be fair, uh, I mean... Um, I, I think that there. I, I think that God has knowledge of, of ways that you know other ways and other timelines the world could have been. Um, I just don't think. I, I think middle knowledge is trying to shoehorn in a libertarian free view into it, uh, which I which I think actually starts to violate the aseity of God because it means um, that that God only has this knowledge in virtue of. Um, the, the truth makers within, you know, an, an uncreated creation. And so therefore, um, God, God only has this knowledge in virtue of 
um, the, the truth makers outside of himself. And so, I, you know, I think that, that that's a problem. Um, but, uh, like, on a reform view, because the, the Molinists a lot of times, you know, they're going to they're gonna play, and I don't mean that they're going to be deceptive. I, I, I think that they don't always understand their views. Um, and so they'll say things like, oh, well, you deny minimalists, so therefore you, you think God knows those things than we think he knows. Or you, you, you can't affirm omniscience because you, you deny that God has exhaustive counterfactual knowledge. Because they, they're thinking the only way God can know these things is if middle knowledge is true. And, and I'm just going to say, well, no, because as a, as a determinist, God has natural knowledge of himself. He knows the, he knows the fact about himself that, that he's sovereign and whatever he de- decreed to create would be true. He knows what he does cre- decree to, uh, to create, and, and, and it's truth in, in his decrees. And so, therefore, he also knows, had I decreed, he knows the subjunctive, had I decreed every other possibility, then I know that that would be the case. Well, we do, right? so, look... So God, God can have exhaustive counterfactual knowledge in that subjunctive sense. We, we know that in Scripture that Jesus said that he knew what would happen in Sodom and Gomorrah if Christ came to them. He knew they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. And so he's saying something that didn't actually happen. So in that, I would say, well, he knows the real, and he also knows the possible. But I think, Tyler, I agree with you. It's the issue that I see is that they're trying to get in the libertarian free will to say somehow we had the, the ability to choose things, and yet we're working with God's sovereignty <laughs> instead of just looking at what right. the Scripture and, says and, with it. Yeah, and there's almost like an Occam's razor. Like, we get the exact same amount of, of, of um, you know, amount of omniscience out of it. We just we don't have to create a whole third category of, of God's knowledge and violate a satiety and create all these other problems to do it, right? We, we, right. I mean, it's just, it's just a function of his natural and his free knowledge. The other thing that I would say is, you know, and, and Andrew, I mean, I think you're being a little too charitable, actually, to the Molinist. Um, <laughs> while, the, while there are some passages that may reflect that, right, like maybe the story, uh, you know, about the, the men of Kayla, maybe that's, a, you know, a true counterfactual. I think when, when Jesus is saying, you know, if, if I had come to Sodom and Gomorrah, or, um, if, if, you know, if, if, if uh, the miracles that you have seen be done in Tyre or Sidon, all of a sudden, you know, they would have repented of belief. I think that's just a mere hyperbole. I, I don't know if that's a statement of an alternate timeline. That's just, it's, it's like saying, you know, if I had presented these same miracles to my dog, then even he would have believed, right? It's just... It's well, a, a hyperbolic okay. statement of how dumb are you guys? Well, see, but this is the thing, and this is where where I think we end up having to try to and put ourselves in their thinking to understand. Because, and I know you do this, and and I want to you know encourage folks who are watching, listening. What just like Tyler said that they will often misrepresent our view. We can often misrepresent their view. There's many people who misrepresent Molinism when, when arguing with them. But the, the issue that I would say is, you know, God can know the possible, but it's not these different parallel timelines that they would argue. Right. And that's where I think the, the right. distinction needs to be made. Because I think God, in his infinite knowledge, could know the results of things absolutely of you know, choices we don't make. 
that doesn't mean that he's got, oh, this is world A, world B, world C, world D, and so on, that, you know, all the the possibilities, if there's like one or the other, his knowledge is something that we can't understand. Here's a simple reality for folks who who may be listening, because a lot of when we talk about Molinism, it, it, for some people, it goes right over their head. We're trying to break it down simply, but... The point is, whenever we speak of God, we must remember that he is a being unlike anything we understand. We learn, right? We learn through observation. We observe things. We build up that knowledge. And so there's a point where we don't know something. We observe it. Now we know it. God never had that. God literally never learned a thing ever. He just knows it all. We cannot conceive of that type of knowledge where he just knows it, not through observation. A second is he's eternal. And so being outside of time, being, you know, an infinite being is very different than you and I who are in time. And it's, it, there's a progression of thinking, of thought. God doesn't have that. We cannot understand that. And I think what we have is really a couple things. One is that there's some people who are trying to understand what is impossible to understand and try to explain it. That gets us into dangerous territory. There, there's a there's a point where we just have to say, that's it. We can't go further than this because God is a different being than you and I. Some people that's not satisfying to them and they try to go further and that causes problems. Right. Now, Andrew, I do think we... Um we need to be careful as well that it may be the case that there is no way to fully understand how they're reconciled. But if we have that, if we push that to its limit, then anytime we find a difficulty in scripture, we just stop and not explore it. I agree with you. I don't think that the scriptures explains it, but I would, I wouldn't have a problem with people trying to attempt to reconcile them I think the problem with Molinism is that it tries to do it in a very speculative speculative way. If I can just share one of my primary problems with Molinism, besides the philosophical issue, which is the grounding objection, which I keep hearing is not a big deal for Molinists, but when I hear them explain an answer to it, I'm not convinced. Here's my primary issue uh, is that the idea of middle knowledge, the idea that God has these counterfactual, uh, counterfactual knowledge that's logically prior to the divine decree, is something that is not itself derived from Scripture, because the Scripture doesn't um, is not it's not answering the question that Molinists are trying to answer, and, and Molinists would admit this that the Bible does not explicitly um, present uh, this idea of middle knowledge. And I think it was um, Tyler mentioned before that there's a problem uh, in a different context, not in, in this uh, podcast here, but he mentioned that there's a problem when we come to the text. Um, with a certain philosophy, so as to prove text and make uh, to find te- uh, passages that are consistent with that philosophy, and then say, "Okay, look, it, it can work." I, I think it really becomes problematic when we take a speculative idea such as middle knowledge, and it becomes um, kind of this philosophy that is overlaid the scriptures, and it, it becomes almost like something that affects how we interpret the scriptures. Um, you know, overall, we take the speculative idea. And then we run with it and apply it to all areas that seem to be related to that topic instead of deriving the position from an exegesis of the text. Not this issue of let's find 
scriptures that are consistent with it. No, let's derive our beliefs from the soil of the scripture itself. And I am just me used to, I used to be a Molinist. Um, I speak with a lot of Molinists and I'm sure they have answers and explanations. I don't see Molinism as something that comes out of the lifeblood of the text. Um, and that's very much consistent with the idea of why Molinism was invented to begin with. It wasn't something that was just derived from the text. It was purposely developed to respond to a position that doesn't make it false. Right. But it is it, my antennas go up when a view is created in response to something else. And then we later then argue this is what the Bible is teaching. Well, but uh, OK, so let me give a caution with that, because most sure. of our theology comes out of answering heresy. Right. And, That's and fair enough. you know, so so I know you put a little bit of a caveat, but I just it, we we do have historical evidence that <laughs> that does bring about you know uh, a lot of our theology. So, but check, but but uh, consider that also, and I agree with you. A lot of I don't think doctrines derived from responding to heresy. I think clarification of doctrine. Okay. Yeah. And the utilization of vocabulary that helps us clarify. For example, are you are you cla- are you clarifying my vocabulary with that? I just want to make sure. Well, no. I was saying, it, the answer was it, it, yes. For, for example, you are. We all believe we're, we're all we're all Trinitarian Christians. We believe in the Trinity. Yet the, the word Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible, nor do, do the philosophical terminology that we use to define the Trinity. Right? This distinction between being and personhood. The Bible doesn't speak in those categories. But in responding to heresy, we're not creating a theology. We're clarifying a theology whose principles are already found within the scriptures. And we can exegete scriptures to demonstrate that there is one God and there are these three persons who are called God. I don't think you can do the same thing with Molinism in my estimation. Okay, so Tyler, let's let's work through you. Now, for folks who may not know on, on your podcast, The Free, Freed Thinker, you did, I want to say, three episodes. At least you've done more than that, but you did three in a row on Molinism answering some things. There were some interesting things that came out of that. You've you've done more uh, research and study on it, but I, one of the things that did interest me was some questions that you raised with this. So, and I want to get your in- input, not because I don't know what your view is, but I want the audience to hear your view. You brought up some questions when it comes to all these worlds that God could have, and you ask the question, why didn't God choose the world where Adam and Eve never sinned? Why didn't God choose the world where, you know, Christ never came? So in the first one, everyone goes to heaven because there's no sin in the world. In this latter one, everyone goes to hell because there was no Savior in the world. And you got some answers for things like that. Um, and some of those, you didn't seem very satisfied with how God how they argue God chose <laughs> the world that we're in. So maybe you could address some of that. Yeah, well, I, I, let me start by just saying that one of the reasons why we're even talking about Molinism, well, I should actually say, <laughs> I, one, of, one of, but like, it's like 95% of the pie uh, for reasons, um, is because apologists... Um, have started advancing Molinism because it's apologetically useful, right? There's, there's, there's utility to it, specifically in how you answer something like the problem of evil, right? Because the problem of evil is going to ask, well, uh, why didn't God create a 
sin or, or no evil, and they're saying, oh, well, because of, because of free will, right? Um, and, and so they, they start having to answer some of these questions. And so, so for the Molinist, they, they think it's a satisfactory answer. They think it's actually the best answer for why there is evil and suffering in the world, and it's based on, on freedom, and yet they don't want to become total open theists. They don't want to just become you know, uh, complete anarchists, right? So they still want to try to maintain some semblance of the sovereignty of God. So Molinism is, is the option. So the reason we're even talking about it is because of the perceived ap apologetical right? So, but that raises a whole bunch of questions for me. Um, because part... Well, let me, let me actually say, the other part of, of the apologetical value is, is it's kind of coupled with this, with this um, almost... Oh, you're breaking up a bit. Yes, but it's really an, an, Ar an Arminian, a, a non-Calvinist. Am I breaking up? Yeah, you're good now. Better? Worse? Yeah, better. Hello? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, there's, there, it, it, it's tied to, in conjunction with that view, that God desires all to be saved. Right? That it's not Calvinism where, where God has uh, redeemed uh, and elect people for himself. It's God really, 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 really wants um, all people to be saved. And, well, if God is all-powerful, why couldn't he accomplish that? Right? So Molinus is going to say, well, libertarian freedom. Right? Um, this, this causes a bunch of problems for me, right? Because if God, if, if God can, if God is all powerful, right? If God is omnipotent and being omnipotent means you can, you, the ability to do any, any logically possible thing, right? God, God can't make a square circle because a square circle isn't, that's not a possible thing. That's a meaningless thing. That's not a thing, right? Because a square circle is just an inchoate. I mean, it's like asking if God can do a swivel swirl. It's just, it's not a thing. Um, so, so if we say God is omnipotent, it means that he can do any logically possible thing. Well, then, then you can ask the question, well, why couldn't God create a world where if heaven and Eve had libertarian freedom, then there's a, pos there's a logically possible world where Adam and Eve could have never chosen to sin. Right? That's a logically possible thing. I see no reason to think that's logically incoherent. So why couldn't God have just actualized that world? Um, and, and the Molinists is going to come along and say, well, because of, of freedom, God could, you know, God had the power to actualize that world, but that's not a feasible world because Adam, you know, given, given that context, Adam wouldn't have ever chosen not to sin. Um, but then at that point, they're, they're now saying you now have to define omnipotence not as the ability to do any logically possible thing, uh, but as the ability to do any feasible thing, right? So there may be logically possible things um, that are strictly logically possible, um, but are now unfeasible for God to do, or else they would have to say, it's a necessary fact about Adam that he would he would choose to sin because then it, then you can't say like if Adam just is definitionally a being that would choose to sin 
then there's no logically possible world in which the that would choose to sin would ever choose never choose to sin. Right? That just becomes a logically incoherent concept if choosing to sin is part of the definition. Well, that has a problem, right? Who gave Adam his nature? <laughs> what what makes Adam Adam? Well, God fashioned Adam, um, so God is determining Adam's nature, and so is Adam even seeing back to determine him? Anyways, it creates so Molinism in attempt to give a simple answer of freedom, you know, and that's just the tip of the iceberg of my objection. It just just compounds problems. And I think I think right there what you mentioned with uh, who created Adam's nature. Um, when I when I had my discussion with Tim Stratton over at uh, I keep I keep confusing. There's the uh, free thinking ministry, and uh, I don't want to confuse. You're the free thinking. Or free thinker. There we go. You're the free freed. Thinker. There's Tim a D. Stratton, the Molinus is the free thinking. So there's a D at the end of that. It's not the free thinker it's the freed because he's now ah, freed ah, okay. okay because he's a really christian to talk about them both without confusing yeah them, but, so so um, you got to understand the history of, of his podcast that makes it very clear he was an atheist and thought he was self thought of himself as a free thinker now that he's a christian he's freed from the bondage of sin and a freed thinker now you'll never forget kind of okay. like i won't forget the moles in the back of his house and that he's probably still dealing with <laughs> but but what I was what I was trying to say is that when I was having my discussion with Tim Stratton, um, and we got to this very point where it's God who creates the nature, uh, but then but then he would push back and say, well, if God if if God has libertarian freedom, then what would what prevents him from creating a being who also has libertarian creature we're uh, creature uh, libertarian freedom? We are created in His image, aren't we? And I think that's an important, that's a mistake, I think, or a logical leap to say that because God may have a libertarian freedom, that therefore it's logically possible for a, a derivative creature to have that sort of freedom. And I'm not sure one is in a position to make that logical leap. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's a that's a that's a big problem. I think that's a a, a, pro, a violation of the creator creature distinction. Um, and it, it may be the case that there are there are certain attributes of God, um, such such that God is personal um, and and God has some type of freedom uh, that might be communicable. But the exact attribute of libertarian freedom, which which I don't actually think God has libertarian freedom. I think God has limited libertarian freedom. Uh, since God is free to lie, for example, his nature constrains his, his abilities. Um, so there, there's, um, there's, a, there's a fundamental uh, different ontological difference between the two things, though, which is namely that we are created, right? We had to be actualized, and we are, we are objects that, that God foreknows, right? So that's simply not the case of God. So a lot of the problems for Molinism arise specifically, and this is why the episode, I parked, by the way, that's why I can now stop and look. Um, a lot of the issues arise because we are in a world that God has created, that God has actualized, that God has foreknowledge of, um, and that metaphysical condition is just not the same as what God is by nature. God's never been created. God's never been actualized. God is not 
um, you know, the object of prior prior knowledge of another of another of another being, right? So the another problem that I raise, and you know, I, I know this is kind of a shotgunning without engaging much with the with the joiners. Another problem is um, if I have libertarian freedom and I have the ability to choose X or not X, right? It, it, you know, praline. Remember, trivial choice: pralines and cream ice cream, or or you know, coffee latte ice cream. If I have the choice libertarianly to choose either one of those, right? And it's and it's a real possibility for me to choose either one of those. If God actualized World A with the foreknowledge that I would freely, by a libertarian choice, choose pralines and cream ice cream. That means that if, I, if it is possible for me to choose uh, um, latte ice cream, right, that means it's possible, it's, it's possible for there to be categorically something that God could not know, because that just definitionally is something that God did not know. He foreknew the other. Right, which means that there it is logically possible there are categorically things that God cannot know, um, which is a major problem for omniscience because what that actually means, what the, what the entailment of that is, is that even if God is right, that a hundred percent of the time that what He foreknows ends up being true, it means that every instance of choice where I could have that could have been the instantiation of that categorical. That, that type of category of, of action that God couldn't have known, God learns that every single choice um, that we that 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 choice isn't actualizing a, 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 the, you know the, the opposite choice. He's he's basically learning that his foreknowledge is correct, right? So he can't ever know that he knows his knowledge is correct, which is a which is a major problem um, for 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 omniscience. So there, there's all kinds of problems. But the root in the fact that um, we are, as creations, we are specifically a different kind of thing. So we can't just say that because, uh, because God and humans, because we're made in the image of God, that therefore we have identical attributes as God, even in the communicable attributes. Um, so, you know... Uh, um, uh, knowledge is a communicable attribute, but we 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 do not categorically uh, have um, omniscience. We just we we fundamentally have a different kind of thing, even though it, we have a derivative of being made in the image of God. Yeah, and and I think a lot of people just assume we're made in the image of God, and they start inserting what the image of God has to be. Well, well. Free will. God has free will. We have free will. We're made in His image. They kind of sneak that in there uh, when that's not necessarily um, appropriate. I don't think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think that you know, I I just the more I I talk with Molinus, the more I think that the very thing they're trying to avoid, they back up into, and that's the thing I kind of find interesting with it because to me it seems like the big thing they want to avoid is the idea of determinism and that that's exactly where their system ultimately leads you know so tyler you've been doing some newer stuff with this anything anything that you i don't know if you've if you have anything written out yet because i know you were working on some newer stuff with it 
Do you have any new new articles coming uh, out? I, I, yeah, I ha- well, I have some articles that are that are out on it. Um, I a while ago had released an episode called "Metaphysics and the Failure of Molinism," um, and it's somewhat technical. And so I um, uh, I, I release a text of that in a series of different articles. I, I, I you know I release them all in a day. I just put them as as separate. As separate articles, and then I had been working on um, a, a, a little bit more robust critique of f- uh, feasibility, that, that notion that there are logically possible things that God can't do. Um, and so I just recently uh, released a, a, a lengthy article on that. It's, 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 uh, uh, it's a part 12 in that series, so uh, those are the mo- that's actually the most recent series on the blog. Do you want to go into some of of those details? What you've been covering in the topics? Yeah. So, um, I mean, it, it's it's some of it's some of that what I what I spoke about the the problems of saying that there are logically possible worlds that that God uh, aren't feasible for God to create. Um, I you know that that has so many problems for me. Um, some of the other problems um, are are things that arise. They're not necessary to Molinism, but they're views that lots of Molinists hold, um, mostly because the two most famous Molinists, William Lane Craig and Alvin Plantinga, hold them. Um, and so William Lane Craig offers a, a possible, what he considers a possible solution to what's called the problem of the unevangelized. Right, so um, it, you know, uh, how how is how is God good? Or how do you explain the problem um, that uh, there are there are whole populations that we know about that never would have the opportunity to hear the gospel? Right? Um, are they you know do do they just automatically go to hell? How is that fair? How is that just? Right? A lot of people you know historically have tried to answer that by saying, well. Um, there, they, you know, God gives them kind of the benefit of doubt on the light that they've received, um, so that uh, you know, um, they're 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 are are they acting faithfully in accordance with you know general revelation? Are they believing in in a creator God and um, some type of general you know theistic ethic or something? I you know that's that's one answer that's typically be given. But someone like William like Craig along and says, well. Maybe, um, and he builds on planning up. Maybe there's these there's these uh, there's these types of of, of persons um, that have an attribute so that they that there's no possible world that they would have ever believed, right? And they call it trans world depravity. So that in any logically possible world that that person could in any context that that person would have been placed in, um, they never would have believed. Uh, so God kind of stacks the deck in those areas. You know, the Mayan people, maybe all the Mayans just are trans-world depraved people. He just stacks them all there so that even if they had heard gospel, they wouldn't have believed anyways. Um, so that, that, that's what Craig thinks is a possible answer. This has a, this, I think that's problematic for a lot of reasons. First, I think that's a very deficient anthropology. Um, I don't. I don't think that that's the biblical view of of how God relates to humans. I don't think we're these little um, uh, you know static cubes that can just move around in place and time, and it's the same person, 
right? I don't know what it means to say that, that Tyler would believe in the context I'm in the actual world, but Tyler wouldn't believe if God had placed me in my culture. Like that, that just to me seemed like that's not me anymore. Um, so I, I don't know you wouldn't what even, that. You wouldn't even look like you. That. You wouldn't even look like you since since look, with the fact look that like you looked me, the way you wouldn't, do, wouldn't act like me. <laughs> you would have different parents. You'd have different parents. <laughs> it just uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I don't even know what that what that means to say something like that. Um, the it's almost um, you know uh, Andrew, you're good with the Colts. What's the one that has like the the sole bank that God can like draw from and that and he puts is that well, Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons? Mormons. Mormons. Yeah, actually, Mormons. there's there's several of them because that actually uh, rabbinic Judaism would argue that as well. But yeah, it's Mormonism is probably what you're thinking, where everyone's already has that when God created he created every, all the souls, and then he just puts. Them in now. It used to be that the people that had black skin were cursed people. They were the, the those that rebelled against God in a previous life uh, in heaven, and somehow that was a sign of a curse. But now I guess it's okay. <laughs> but, but but it's this idea of like a soul bank. So like God can zap you down to whatever time and place, so that you're born in a particular. So in that sense, there's a you. A person who, uh, as a soul, would later be this. I mean, I, you wouldn't even be called Tyler, so I don't even know how that would work. Your soul would be in some, con- you know, conception without different. Par- it's like you're right. I don't see how that's the same person in that sense. It's kind of a weird way to look at it. Yeah. And, and I think I think also, at least when defending middle knowledge, Molinus will try to show scripture that seems to support it. I have never seen any attempt to defend what Dr. Craig is saying right there, um, scripturally in any way, shape, or form. Um, maybe I, I mean I'm not as more you know as well read in, in Molinism as as many others, but I've never seen a biblical attempt to uh, to ground that. Uh, are you familiar with anything, uh, Tyler? Anyone who tried to uh, provide a biblical defense, or is it one of those things? Well, it doesn't contradict anything in Scripture, and so therefore this is a possibility. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, lost, I lost signal there for a minute. Okay. Sorry. What, what I was saying is that... I lost that whole question. That's okay. <laughs> so what I was saying is that um, when Molinus tried to defend the concept of middle knowledge, at least they give an attempt to defend the idea scripturally. We disagree and we think it's a deficient defense, right? But they try to provide biblical uh, references and, and exegesis and things like that. Have you read any attempted biblical defense of the notion that Dr. Craig is putting forth, namely that there are these people that regardless of where they were born, just in any possible world, they would just not believe these trans depraved, you know, trans worldly depraved people? uh, what, What would be the biblical defense? Or is it like you say what we shouldn't do? Namely, it is a philosophical position in search of a proof text. I think it's a philosophical position in search of a proof text, and because William, it's not from William Lane Craig. Not even planning came up with it, right? So, um, so there, there's so many. I mean, there, there's there's problems with it. Again, it's just a deficient anthropology. There's no biblical warrant for it. Um, 
but then but my question becomes, okay, well, uh, because there's a seemingly infinite amount of ways someone you know, that, that that God could could create someone who's trans world depraved, right? Because because um, there, there's there's a there, there seems to be a potentially infinite number of of possible humans, right? Um, or, or at least, a, you know, an, an exceedingly large one. Uh, and so the, the question then becomes, well, why isn't there an equal amount of, of trans world righteous people, right? Right. People who would believe in any possible context, right? Um, the, that concept to me seems equally plausible. It seems equally logically coherent i mean it, it seems is, isn't that what they I, hope I, I see no reason to think that there wouldn't be such persons wait isn't that what the position is though i was i always thought that there is a view there that says that the people who do believe are the people who would believe in any possible world and the people who don't believe uh perhaps they're people who wouldn't believe in any possible world no, I don't. I don't think that they would say um, that the people who believe are the ones who are the, the trans world righteous. Okay, okay. Right. So they there there may have been a possible world where I wouldn't have believed. Um, okay. So there. So there's so, a difference. But, there's a difference between the righteous and the trans worldly damned. So the righteous. There is a possible world in which those who are saved are not saved. And then for some people who are not saved, they might be people who would have never been saved in any possible world. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So trans, trans world depravity is that there's no logically possible world um, where these people will be saved. Okay. Right? Um, so, uh, you know, um, I, I don't, I, you know, I, so, so, so my question, I have a couple questions. Again, it's a weird anthropology, but why could there be a nearly infinite number of trans righteous people and why couldn't God populate, you know, there's, there's what, 7 billion people on the earth. There's what been like 11 billion that have existed altogether. Is there not that many trans righteous people that would believe no matter what situation they were put in? Uh, why, you know, all he, all God would have had to do is take this one trans world person and make that person. problem solved. Um, so I, I just I, so there's that problem. The, but my, my real problem is is that it might be the case that a trans world depraved person isn't logically possible. Um, so um, unless God is making them such like like it's not possible on libertarian freedom. Right, because they would have to say that 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 means that this person, based on their libertarian freedom, would never choose to believe in any possible world, in any possible context, whatsoever. They would never choose to believe. Well, that seemed to be that. Then is remember when I when I said it might be the case that um, Adam is is such a being that that there's no possible world in which he would have children not sin. And so that means that that logically, um, that that if if he definitionally is a being that cannot choose to not sin, right? In in, in Augustine's term, if, if he is if he is definitionally something that that is non posse non peccare, not able not to sin, then it may then logically 
gospel to make him a being that would ever choose to not sin, right? Because then you're saying he's non-passe non-picari and he's passe non-picari, which is a logical contradiction. Um, so they would have to say that these people are almost a different species of people, so that they that they are um, that they are by nature something that cannot um, ever choose uh, to not be sinful. But what does that sound like? You're saying you, that there are. Think, uh, oh, go ahead. If, go ahead. If there are people... That's, that's who, total depravity. Yeah. That's total depravity. It's, on right. that, that, that just There's these whole group of people that are non-passe, non-picare, um, and so they're not able to not sin. God has made them that way, non-passe, non-picare, and that he's just in punishing them for that. Okay, right. so, so let me... Right? Which, let me... which just obliterates the objection that they have against Calvinism by, by us saying that the natural man cannot choose God, and it's just for God to have created that way and judge him for it. Mm. Which, again, um, so it's, it's the very thing they're trying know, if, to... Even if they oh. end up being right that that's a logically possible thing, end up undermining their main objection against Calvinism. Yeah, so, so and, and folks, there's a, a lag between Tyler and, and us here, so... Yeah, <laughs> but let me, let me, I want to put this up here. Here's a question that Humble Clay had asked in he, keeping he with this. moving and he's talking, but I can't hear him. Can you hear me, Eli? I can hear you fine. Okay. So it's just Tyler. Oh, oh there. Okay. Here, here's the question that I put up. Um, nope. Okay. Can, uh, maybe, uh, so Tyler can't hear me. Tyler, tell Tyler can he may have to go out and Tyler, come back in again. Tyler, Tyler, can you hear me? You can't hear me either? I can hear you, but I can't hear Andrew. Yeah, Andrew, he can, can hear, hear you, Eli, yeah, but just, I can't hear Andrew. Tell, tell yeah, he Tyler to go out and come back in. We found that that helps. Um, so Tyler, Andrew's saying if you uh, just jump out and then kind of log back in, then that might work. All right, I'll, I'll be right back. All right. Yeah, we've, we have had that problem before. We had that with you one time, and, and that seems to well, be... Well, I was upside down when I was using my iPad. Now with the uh, laptop, it works much better. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I, I'm gonna. I have a question up there, and when, when Tyler comes in, we'll ask him. It's from Humble Clay, and I'll, I'll give a shout out to folks if you want to come in and because um, not more shout out, but uh, more informational. If you guys want to join uh, and ask questions, you can go to apologeticslive.com, and there's a link to participate there, and that's how you join us and get into the discussion. We'd much rather have you come in because. Humble Clay's actually asking a couple things or, or making some comments, and it'd be good to interact. Um, I think everyone prefers just seems to prefer just dropping comments. So, but uh, if you are listening not live, I'll encourage you to join us on Thursday nights, eight to ten Eastern time, and uh, we can you can watch live, ask questions, join in, and I. You know, as we're recording this, we end up turning this into a podcast as well. You can go to Apologetics Live podcast. Just go to, just on any app, search for Apologetics Live. So, Tyler, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Here's the question. He looks like a, a, a dubbed Asian movie when he... Yeah, I know, I know. Sound comes afterwards. He's, he's ready for some kung fu. All yeah, right. Sorry. So, here's the question Humble Clay asks... Um, with this view, would everyone not be damned 
and be damned simultaneously? Um, no, because there would only be one actual world. But I think there, you know, so, so he had a follow-up, I guess. He said, but if there are infinite worlds, we're going to be damned in some of them. Uh, well, you, you have to remember. So these are lo- these are these are logically possible worlds. Don't can't think of them as um, like parallel worlds or right. like uh, like multiverse worlds. It, they're 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 just it's just um, it's just a way in modal log to talk about the way the world could have been. They're they're not actually. It's not like I have like um, you know a parallel world with me in it. Right. That, that's confusing for the average listener. But yeah. within the philosophical literature, I mean, possible worlds, you're just dealing with examples. Like, if God did this, if he created this particular world, then that, that's possible. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a multiverse yeah. or something like that. Yeah, you know, one other topic I want to I address with you guys, and uh, it, it's, it's really the idea, something you said earlier, Tyler. Really, it's, it's guys like William Lane Craig, who's probably the, the most known, that has influenced people with this. Now, can I think we could agree that William Lane Craig is, is a very bright guy. He's very knowledgeable and has a lot of good things to offer. We, we, I think all of us here, we wouldn't agree completely with him, we being presuppositionalists. But we would disagree with his approach on, on, on apologetics. But I, but I think he's got a lot of good things and a lot of good things to offer. But what I find is that you see a lot of people that because of they find him brilliant in one area – they pull that in and start following everything else that he's he's arguing. He's not a theologian; he's a philosopher, and I, I think that makes a difference. Um, so, well, I, I do think he has well, a PhD I, I mean, in theology. Say, does he not? Yeah, I would say he's both. He does both. Yeah. I thought uh, his PhD was he, in he, in he philosophy. Leans towards philosophical theology, but yeah, yeah, I thought his PhD was philosophy. He's got two of them. Ah. <laughs> no, he's. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, let me, um, yeah. So a funny story. So when I went to ETS in San Diego here, um, the bet, the best part of ETS was I got to go to lunch. Um, I mean, sitting at this table, it was me, uh, Chris date, Mike winger, and Tim Stratton. So it was a, you know, it was a a very fun, uh, fun lunchtime conversation. What is a cheesecake? across from the, uh, the convention center. And when we walk in, you know, William Lane Craig and, and his wife are sitting at the bar. And, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to lie. In our world, I mean, William Lane Craig's a big deal. <laughs> oh, like oh, a schoolgirl. I was like, that, like that, how do I look like the William Lane Craig? Um, I mean, he's, he's, he's a giant in the field, whether or not I have disagreements with him. He's a, he's a, he's a brilliant, he's a, just a brilliant man. Um, he's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a giant of the faith in, in our time. So, um, uh, but you're right that just because that's the case. And, and I, and I think William and Craig is, I mean, he's a Christian, so I think he's right on a whole ton of things. Um, but even in apologetic things, I think he's right on a lot of things. Um, we just, we disagree methodologically. We disagree on some, you know, some soteriological issues, um, you know, we disagree on, he's a Baptist, we disagree on that type of thing. Oh, um, no, that's that's one that. that he's right on. 
Um, so, you know, <laughs> um, so, but but it is because of his influence that that it's gone into a lot of uh, a lot of the the apologetic world. Um, although there are other people that are that are pushing it. So, um, one of the things that that I've been complaining about Molism about is the feasibility. Um, this, this idea that there may be logically possible worlds that aren't feasible for God to create, and God is kind of stuck with uh, William Lane Craig's way to put it: he's, he's you know, he's the hand that he's been dealt. Um, that entails some really bad things, right? That entails um, that that there are parts about the world that that God um, di- didn't want. Right, that, that are outside of His control, and they'll and they'll say that they want to maintain sovereignty, but they'll say, "Oh well, um, you know, because of because of human freedom, um, then then uh, you know, God God has to save the most that He can." Um, but um, you know, there there are some of these things that are kind of featured, uh, just kind of artifacts of that libertarian freedom that are outside of His control. I've been saying, well. If we move from that from that position, that maybe it's the case that this that this is the best of the feasible worlds. That entails well, maybe the best of the feasible worlds had gratuitous evil suffering. In it, right? Maybe the best world that God, that that God could work with libertarian freedom to get himself the most glory to save the most people he possibly could. Maybe it's an argument effect of that, that there are certain evils that are just gratuitous. There's no redemptive value to them. Um, they, they, they don't work all, they don't, they don't work together for the good of those who love it. Maybe they just are gratuitous. They just are because the person was free to do it, and God had no, there's no way that God could work it together for, for something good. For a long time, Molinists were saying, oh, no, 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 that's, that, that's, you know, we affirm sovereignty. We affirm Romans A. God works all things together for the good of those who love Him. In about 2000, uh, I think 2015, Kirk McGregor came out. He's one of the most famous Molinists that people know. Came out and said, "Yeah, um, it, it it's probably the case that there are gratuitous evils and things, and that, that that's uh, that that's this is the best possible world that God created given libertarian freedom." That's the byproduct of what the world that God wanted. He has to deal with these things. Right. All right. So, uh, yeah. you know, I think, I think for a lot of folks, th- this topic kind of goes over their head because this is a, a topic, I think you guys would agree, that it takes a lot of study, a lot of research to really understand rightly. It, it's very easy to mischaracterize Molinists and just to argue a straw man. That's easy. What I do want folks to notice yeah. is what you're hearing from both Eli and, and Tyler and hopefully me is, you know, not just knee-jerk reactions to what their views are, but to actually investigate, study, research, to know what it is they believe and then be responding to what they rightly believe. A lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of people want to do the easy work of just hearing something and, and jumping. And, and we we discussed that earlier with the whole idea where we see them using words that we would see different. And so you you when arguing on these things, 
I want to encourage folks to take the time to dig into what a person's position actually is. Not what you think it is, but what it actually is, because there could be a difference there. And I, I do want to point out that you're hearing both, you know, from Tyler and from Eli that they've done that. They're, they've put the time in. And this is not one of those topics, I think, guys, you'd agree that you just pick up and go, oh, okay, I have an answer to that. I mean, it's, this isn't like, um, I was going to say a discussion on the six days of creation, but, you know, Tyler doesn't hasn't concluded on that one. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, and there are some, some easy to understand, you know, like understanding six days of creation would be an easy thing. Either, you know, people, some people believe there are literal six, you know, 24 hour days and some don't. That's, that's, that doesn't take all the hoops that you have to jump through with Molinism. Molinism, I think, uh, Tyler might have been you who said it that, you know, there, there are, you know, you, you mentioned, Ackman's razor. It's it's like okay, whichever is the easiest, the the you know that's probably the right one. Molinism is not an easy position to understand, let alone explain. It takes time. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, yeah. I I, I definitely yeah. Start. It takes time to understand it. It takes study. Yeah, and that's not, and I don't think that's a negative. Uh, I mean, even Reformed theology, uh, it can be explained simply, but then there is, there's a depth there that requires more work and nuance and stuff. So, definitely not. It's not a negative aspect of the view, but definitely it's a reality that, yes, it's not a very simple willy nilly. Oh yeah, Molinism. <laughs> it's kept me up late night, late nights <laughs> many times. Yeah. So so um, I don't know if the, if you guys have more that you want to to touch on. Um, yeah, I know Tyler's probably just sitting in outside his house, like, you know, oh, he's now driving. He got bored sitting outside his house. I'm I'm actually, no, it, 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 for some reason, got really choppy. And so I'm, uh, even though I have full reception, so I'm, I'm just, I'm seeing, I'm at a, like a grocery store shopping uh, center down the street. So I'm seeing if there's like a better place in this lot. (laughs) So. You know, I don't. You know, we could wrap up if if you guys want. If is there more that you guys want to cover on this topic? Uh, I could go for for hours and hours. <laughs> I know on you this, could <laughs> uh, on this topic, but uh, I mean, I think we've we've touched on. I think we've touched on a lot of the issues, and and I have a lot of articles on it um, that people can reference. Okay, so so real quick, why don't you give? Uh, are you going to be doing any, any? Are you planning to do some podcasts on this? With the, with the new articles, or are you just going to do the articles? Yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to release the um, this weekend. I'm going to be recording the the new the new episode that the, with the latest content. Okay, so real quick, why don't you give your the blog because site? I'm a lady, and I turn blog posts into episodes. That's exactly what everyone does, right? So <laughs> give uh, yeah. give the links to your website, to your your podcast, and all that. Uh, the website is freedthinkerpodcast.blogspot.com, uh, freedthinkerpodcast.blogspot.com, or if you join the Freedthinker group page on Facebook, I'll normally post it uh, there, or you can just uh, find the Freedthinker podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or Podcaster or whatever, Pocket Cat, whatever, whatever you Android weirdos use, uh, and, and you can subscribe there uh, and listen and, and uh and find everything there. 
See, at least at least Tyler has one thing right. He uses a good phone. So, all right, Eli. <laughs> Eli, why, why don't you give a sh- shout out for where people can find you and your podcast and work you're doing? Yeah, um, my podcast, uh, as I said at the beginning, is Revealed Apologetics. You can download it on iTunes and other formats. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Revealed Apologetics. And if you have any questions on presuppositional apologetics, um, apologetic methodology, or Bible questions in general, you can email me at revealedapologetics at gmail.com. All right. And you're looking very patriotic there with your USA shirt on. That, that's going to come in handy. Uh, I got, I'll let you guys know. So we have some new, uh, or at least not new, what we got coming going forward for you guys on some podcasts. The next show will not be March 5th. We'll have no show. I will be in California. Uh, Tyler and I will be getting dinner instead of doing this show. No. <laughs> we, we do have a dinner. We, we will probably plan dinner while I'm out there. Um, we Tyler and I usually get a good steak while we're, when we're together. Um, but we'll, there will be no show on March 5th. However, March 12th, you will want to be there. Uh, we're going to be dealing with a book called Torahism. It's a new term. But basically, it is answering Hebrew roots and, and black Hebrew Israelites and these others, uh, all these groups that look to put people back under the law. And that's so the, the book is called Torahism. Robert Solberg is the author. He's going to be joining us. So if you have people that are in the Hebrew roots movement, you have questions about it, you're going to want to join us March 12th. 8 to 10 Eastern Time, ApologeticsLive.com. We'll have all the information. So you want to make sure that's two weeks from when we're airing this one live. We will have no show on the 5th, but on the 12th, you want to join after that. And maybe, you know, Eli will come in with his shirt. Uh, because on the, uh, the, the following week from that, uh, from the 12th, which would be the, 7th, uh, sorry, the 19th, uh, March 19th, we will we will have uh, Dr. Anthony Silvestro on, and he wants to he wants to start us off with a topic of not only can Christians but should Christians vote for Trump. So that that'll be a um, an interesting one, I'm sure, to hear those arguments. So if you're for or against Trump, you'll want to come in on the 19th and uh, and and make your your voice known. Uh, maybe we'll do a poll and see, you know, who of our you know, who our listeners vote for. But uh, with that, um, I I don't have too much else to announce. I I will say this: if you're listening live today, tomorrow, that's uh, and and Saturday, that's about the last chance you're going to get to enter into the Christian podcast community's. Uh, theology contest. So we have a contest, a uh, seventy, sorry, a thirty pound box of books, DVDs, CDs, flash drives, over a thousand dollars worth of resources that we're shipping to someone. And if you go to ChristianPodcastCommunity.org, that is the site where uh, we have the contest. It'll pop up in the banner, and you go to the contest, and you'll be able to possibly win. But that will close down. On the 29th, it's a leap year day, so that's it. You have to leap year day, and then uh, then that's it. We'll we'll shut it down. And March 1st, I, I should be, even though I'll be in California, I will pick a winner and announce that at some point. So if you're watching this live or listening to this just as it drops in podcast, 
Um, you only have till February 29th to enter the contest. So do that quick, Eli. Don't be delaying. Uh, I would recommend or remind people to about the Israel trip, but I think it's full. I think if you didn't sign up by now, you're too late. Um, yeah, so that's, I think it filled up. And uh, if not, we only have a few spots. You can still go to Israel to 2021israeltrip.com and get on the waiting list possibly. So I think that's all the announcements that we have. Um, I will say that we got a couple really good episodes of the rap report coming out starting, I believe, this Sunday. We go through a, a historical view of the church looking at what is the church, what does it mean. So check that out. And I'll also recommend you go to strivingforattorney.org, look at some of the articles that we have coming out there, check out our academy that we have offering you classes for free on YouTube. So I want to encourage you to check those out. Um, And until next time, remember to, to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.